0: You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Y'all know how we're rolling, right? If you weren't here last week, every message of this series We are going to pray over our lives. Y'all ready? Tell somebody I'm with you. Tell somebody I'm with you. Actually, tell me right now. Tell me I'm with you, Ben. I know there's a lot of moving parts, but we're moving with it. So every every message of this series, and to be honest with you, I added several more weeks. I don't know how long this series is going to last, but we're going to stand up. We're going to pray at the beginning. The message that the apostle Paul, excuse me, the prayer that the apostle Paul prayed over all of us. Tell somebody I'm with you. I'm with you. Matter of fact, I'm trying to find it right here. I got so many notes because things are crazy, and I'm going to find them, find them. Here it is. We don't have a screen. I was going to make you pray it with me, but I'm not going to do that because I got the words. Y'all, yeah, I got them. Y'all don't. Y'all ready? Say, I'm with you. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul was in a jail cell, and this was his prayer for us. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Keep in mind, he's in prison. Your roots will grow down deep, deep and wide into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And Paul from a jail cell says, may you experience the love of Christ. Experience, not hear other, not see other people experience it. Not hear other people talk about it. Not me hear me preach about it. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able, who is able in your situation through his mighty power at work within you. Not with outside of you, within you, within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or thank. Glory to Him in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations to come, forever and ever. Give God a round of praise. That was what Paul was praying over you. And we are not going to settle for anything less. Will you lift your hands with me? Lift your hands, say this with me. Say, Speak to me, Lord. Speak to my situation, speak to my character. Speak to my life, hurt my feelings if you must. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're seated, tell the person next to you my title, Sundays aren't enough. Sundays aren't enough. We didn't print these shirts out for nothing. Sundays aren't enough. There's a lot of times that life happens and some things happen that it's just not enough. And I'm going to tell you, Sundays aren't enough. Week two of Deep and Wide. God wants you to experience Him. God wants you to be close and connected with Him. God, Jesus told Peter and He told all of us. Peter and us, say in me, say in me. He told Peter and all of us, He said, I have given you the keys to the kingdom. Peter says himself in scripture, he says that we are partakers. You are partakers of the divine nature. Peter says we have been given great and precious promises. Over the years, I've had people all the time actually tell me, I wish I could feel like I do on Sundays at Catalyst every single day of the week. I've heard it all the time, especially when people are going through heavy seasons. I wish I could feel like I do on Sundays every day. You want to know the truth? You can. Sundays aren't enough. You can, God wants to bless you, use you and invest in you more than just on Sundays. And he wants you to invest in him and your relationship with him more than just on Sundays. You invest in your spouse only once a week, you'll be divorced really quickly or cheated on really quickly. Sundays are not enough. What God wants to do in your life and what he wants you to invest in your relationship with him Sundays are not enough. Jesus told Peter, we love to talk about him walking on the water. Jesus told Peter, it probably wasn't on a Sunday. He said, come to me. And coming to him required stepping out of a boat in the middle of the storm, sink or swim, live or die. But if you want to walk on water, come to me. It was very simple. Peter went out into the boat and he trusted God enough to jump. To walk right on the water in the middle of a storm that he was going to sink. Jesus kept it very simple. We overcomplicate it. He says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I, Jesus, will give you rest. He didn't say, in other words, don't go to women, don't go to men, don't go to drugs, success, alcohol, respect. Whatever you go to, Jesus said, come to me. He kept it really simple. He told Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew and was a tax collector. A tax collector in Jesus' day was like a was not like an RS agent it was like a drug or like a pimp that's how bad they were that families lost everything because of these guys these bottom feeders and Jesus says two words to him. he says follow me in the book of Matthew Matthew never says a thing he, we only see about Matthew Jesus says follow me and he followed him it's very simple it's very simple tell somebody keep it simple Keep it simple, that's what we're gonna do today because deep and wide, we have this idea in our culture that living a deep life is complicated. Deep isn't complicated. Living your life for something bigger than yourself and having character that is bigger than the common person that really has given up on seeking and and believing in what God's promised us, it really isn't complicated. What we do is we overthink and we overcomplicate things that we either don't wanna do anything with Uh, Don't feel like we can or don't feel like we deserve to do anything with it We overthink it we overcomplicate it and we end up sabotaging it And today catalyst is a very very simple message Y'all ready to keep it simple Because I don't want you to be try to confuse yourself so you don't have to do anything with it This outline is very very simple because the good news is also challenging news But it isn't complicated It's very simple. So we don't have the outline on the screen. You got a bulletin in front of you. We've started putting fill in the blanks so that you can actually take notes. We can remember it and do something with it. Tell somebody I'm with you. I'm with you. You with me? You ready? We're about to dive into this thing because we are not gonna overcomplicate the things that got, the simple things are what change your life. And you need to simplify some things so that you aren't confused. And I'm telling you, Sundays aren't enough for what God wants to do in your life. Sundays, I don't know if it may start here, but it can't end here. Y'all ready? Very, very simple. Here we go. Do what Jesus said and do what Jesus did. Do what Jesus said and do what Jesus did. This is what Jesus said. You don't wanna know what he said? Here it is. Teacher, by the way, the person he called teacher. So this is a scholar. This is an Old Testament scholar asking Jesus this question. A guy who literally memorized probably most, if not all the Old Testament in Hebrew. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? This is an expert in the law of Moses. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the prophets, the entire Old Testament are based on these two commitments. Jesus kept it so simple, he probably insulted this guy. Because what you probably don't know is this guy was an expert, which, mean he, which means he got up every morning and he quoted this verse, which is also in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. He, he had this thing by memory and he says, hey Jesus, let me see what you got. Let me see what knowledge you got. And he tells him a verse that he said every day. Jesus kept it simple. Jesus did not complicate it. We complicate it because that's what we like to live in confusion so we can excuse ourselves from doing what God said we to do. He kept it simple. So simple that he probably insulted it. Matter of fact, if you go to John chapter 13, Jesus actually ups the game. He says, a new commandment I give you, love others as I have loved you. And by this, loving and treating other people as he loved and treated other people, they will know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. That's what Jesus said. That's what he said. It's, not, it's very, very simple, but here's what he did because Jesus didn't just say it, he did it and he asked us to do it. Jesus didn't say he was gonna do something about it. We like to talk about the things we wish we could do, but Jesus actually stepped out of the boat and did it. This is what Jesus did. I just got a few. Matthew 14, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped out, stepped from the boat and check this out, man, this is missing today. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. You're like, I can't heal anybody. Well, I got something for you, Matthew chapter 15. Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, ooh, we missed this right here. I feel sorry for these people, is what Jesus said. We don't have empathy right now. We have complete aggression. And Jesus himself said, I feel sorry for these people. They have been been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. Jesus cared about people. He didn't just say it. He showed it and he did it. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't just say it and ask us to say it. He said it. And he did it. Jesus felt sorry for these people. This is the feeding of the 4,000. Most people preach on the feeding of the 5,000. This is actually a different occurrence. Similar story, different time. It said he felt sorry for them. He had compassion. He didn't give them platitudes like we do because we, you know, we're Americans, right? He didn't say, hey man, uh, you're hungry. Teach a man to fish, feed him for a day. Excuse me. Feed a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. Because here's the thing about that. It's hard to teach anybody anything when they're hungry. He didn't go around saying, man, we gotta, you got to hold yourself up by your bootstraps because you don't know what they've been through. They may not have any boots. We love to quote memes. We love to quote memes about everybody's fighting a battle, so be kind. You just may not know it. Well, that's what it looks like. You don't know what hell they've been through. Their story isn't your story and you think you know their story based on your story and we end up being totally lack compassion. Do what Jesus said and what Jesus did and don't you dare quote Jesus out of context because I've heard this forever. We love taking scriptures out of context when we, when we really want to lack compassion. I've heard this for years. Jesus said, the poor will be with you always. You know, he said that, look it up for yourself. Later on, not today, he was saying that challenging the people who lack compassion and mercy. He wasn't saying that affirming what they were doing. He said that to challenge them. And don't take verses out of context like if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. To excuse yourself from having compassion on other people. Because if you want to compare scripture with scripture, because that's what they teach you in in any type of seminary, let me give you some scripture. James, brother of Jesus, and also disciples said, don't dishonor the poor, and faith without works is dead. And he said that not about character. He said that about compassion. That's context. Jesus said, it said that Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep. Man, Jesus, Jesus cared about people. He felt what they were going through. And right now in the world we live in, the confusion that everybody, the, the insecurity, the aggression is because we, don't not, we not only don't do what he said, we, don't, we, we, we like to say what he said when it's in the context of convenience for our situation, but we really don't do it as much. I was at Walmart, I'm sure there's always somebody here like, that's where I know him from. I worked at Walmart 13 and a half years. If you, if you remember me pre-2011, I was a lot heavier than I am now. I've never told this story, it's crazy, all these years preaching, but it's probably the most impressionable story, at least on me, all those years at Walmart. I was greeting early one morning, and this guy came in with a return and he had a face, just a facial, entire facial tattoo. Later, I would find out he had just got out of prison. I'm talking about like his eyes, where whatever they do, where they're, they're made to be bloodshot, yeah, it was that. And employees and customers alike stayed away from him. Me, I'm just, back then, I'm still not afraid of awkward people, but I'm, I wasn't afraid then. And I was always the type that was, I'd kill you with kindness, especially if other people were pushing you away. Well, he came in with this little race car that looked like it was used in the 1970s, like it had been played with and through dirt and messed up since the 70s, it looked like. And he tried to return it. I knew he wasn't going to get a return. And he walked like a bad butt all the way to the customer service, and, and everybody like scattered I knew, the, I knew the associates. A lot of them were good church, church-going people. They loved Jesus. I saw customers alike because I know half of Carrollton. That's why I don't go to eat in Carrollton much if I want privacy, and they just scattered. Of course, they didn't return his car. He walks out, and he's got that mean mug on, and I say, when he walks out, I say, God bless you, man. He broke down. Broke down, I'm talking about wet my shoulder, and he said, man, I'm just hungry. I'm just hungry. I'm just trying to return this, I'm hungry. I just got out of prison, I'm living behind Walmart, and I know I'm gonna get kicked out. It was the winter, y'all. I'm hungry. And uh, nobody would have given him the time of day to hear it. I told Sharika at Subway, she was the manager at Subway, I said, Sharika, whatever he wants, I'm good for it, I'll pay you when I get on, when I get on lunch break. By the way, I was single, broke, nothing. But that man need to eat. He need to hear about Jesus. He needed to eat something. What most of us were talking about, though, you're living in your mistakes, but he's hungry. He's going to live in them long. He's going to die. He goes to Subway, and the man bought 20, over $20 worth of sub sandwiches. Ate every one of them. Ate every one of them. Sharika came over. She said, You sure? I said, if he's that hungry, I'm gonna eat him? Yes. When I saw him in Subway, this was years ago, I saw him eating, and the peace and strength just came back in him because he was starving. But everybody was afraid of him. Because that's the type of church that the American church tends to be. We're afraid of those type, those people that look like that type whatever repels you that's what we do and this joker was hungry and nobody a lot of people that had more money than me wouldn't even know he was hungry because they were running and hiding from him let me tell you something about jesus you want to do what he said and do what he did you want to live a life that is actually deep and wide sundays aren't enough you can talk about it quote scripture you can raise your hand come to the altar love god love others commitment to god is commitment to people If you're committed to Jesus, you're committed to people. Jesus touched people that no one else would touch, which technically left him ceremonially unclean. The woman with the issue of blood, the lepers, technically he wasn't even welcome on the outer skirts of the temple because he touched them. Jesus included people that the religious left out. Doesn't sound familiar enough in the church, American church, nearly as familiar as it was for Jesus. Most of the time I see people that love love Jesus and and truly have faith in him. I see people surrounded. Obviously, your inner circle and the people at your table matter, but I see people constantly surrounded by people who look like them, talk like them, vote like them, dress like them, act like them, have the same draw like them, hate what they hate, and that is not what Jesus did. That is not what Jesus did. And I'm going to argue about it because it's right there in front of you in the red letters. That is not what he did. And most of us, we either hide from those, we hide from those that are different than us, or we lash out on them on social media. Because we got a lot of keyboard warriors in the world, but we don't got a lot of warriors. We got a lot of people that wanna put other people on the cross, but they're not really willing to lay down their lives because they love the Lord and love others the way that Jesus asked us to. It's not Christ-like. You can cherry pick verses all. it's not Christ-like. Jesus said, love God, love others, everything else will take, take care of itself. Tell somebody, keep it simple. Your life is lived. You truly don't love God when you tr- the way you should, and when you don't love God the way you should, you truly can't love yourself the way you should, and what you do is you lash out at other people because you really, it's hard to hate yourself without, because you've got you to not beat yourself up so much that you run yourself in a grave too quickly, so you take that out on other people, especially the people you love. Love God, love your neighbor, everything else to take care of itself. Tell somebody to keep it simple. This next one, it's the hardest point I'm going to give all day. And I want, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me when I say this. Can you hear my heart? Can you, can you handle it? Because I do this out of love. I've never really sunk deep into this. And I've actually added to the point. We had so much trouble that I wasn't able to tell you, baby. By the way, thank you for all you've done. She's back there just beating herself up, just like I do. But God is in this thing. I added to the point, so I'm going to tell you the second part. Number one is obedience is how you build your life. And what I added two days ago disobedience is how you burn it down. Obedience is how you build your life. Disobedience is how you burn it down. Check this out. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says himself, he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. <laughs> like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes, torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock, on Jesus, on solid, substance deep and wide not just appearance doesn't just look pretty but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house it will collapse with a mighty crash think about those mistakes you've made that you'd give anything to have a do-over. You hurt yourself, you hurt others, you lost time, you lost money. You would give anything to take it back. Those decisions were made on a foundation, on a perspective that was sinking sand. In the, in the scripture, it calls Jesus the chief cornerstone. In a stone structure, the chief cornerstone was the stone that the entire, the weight of the entire structure could rest, could hold it all. That's what a chief cornerstone is. The Bible says Jesus is the chief cornerstone. You will not lose, the scripture teaches and Jesus teaches, you will not lose if you build your life on me, if you obey me, if you trust me. Jesus says, if you build your life on a foundation that has depth Me, what I'm telling you, the principles I teach, if you don't just live the principles, but trust me as the person, the God who loves you, you will not lose. But the thing about it is a lot of us are building on sand, but some of us, when you build nothing, when you choose to build nothing, you're building something. Indecision is a decision, and when life wrecks you because circumstances are coming at you, life is not fair. Matter of fact, life is a lot more unfair when you're following Jesus and truly love him because God wants to show himself strong in you. And I'm going to tell you, life is coming at you, and if your life isn't built on a solid foundation where you trust Jesus enough that you're not just living for the the wide, you're not just trying to build something big that looks pretty, you want depth in your life, you don't want to hold superficial conversations about superficial things. I've learned more than ever. I'll walk away from a conversation a lot more than I used to. And Jesus, build it deep and wide. And Jesus says, if you build it on me, you obey me, you'll you'll be deep and wide. And the chief cornerstone, build it on him. Build it on him. Obey him. Trust him. And here's the thing. What I'm about to tell you, I am as if anybody that knows me, if you're a guest or you've not been here long, you'll eventually know me when there's a reason to rebel, when there's a reason to rebel against the status quo, when there's a reason to bow up and make a hard decision that people may not like, but it's the right decision, whether they like it or understand it. I am your guy. I am a gamer. I'm not afraid of nothing. I'll stand up to a 10 foot tall person to tell them exactly when it's time to stand my ground on the things I'm responsible for in my life. But, but being rebellious and disrespectful and disobedient and difficult for no reason or no good reason, that is reckless. It's reckless. It's reckless. Man, it's reckless. So, and and the reason is the Bible teaches that rebellion is worse than witchcraft. You know why? Because at the end of the day, rebellion is manipulation. Everything you do in your life that is not obedient to Jesus is rebellion. And when you rebel against a God who loves you, same way when you push away the good people in your life, it falls apart because manipulation is what rebellion is. Having to be right, having to be in control, being so sensitive that people challenge you. You will not be challenged. You will not take anything from anybody. You will lash out. You will project. You will flip out. That is rebellion. It is manipulation, and you don't even realize it. You self-destruct. You live your life miserable because you're building a life that is not deep. And that's why it says that rebellion is that. Big a deal. It's a problem. It's a problem that every one of us need to deal with because every one of us have it in our lives in some seasons worse than others. And it's because Jesus said obedience is better than sacrifice. The scripture says that. We live in a disobedient culture, y'all. I'm telling you, you've heard me up here preach about how proud I am of so many movements that are changing the game and I'm a part of them and I'm gonna be the rest of my life. I'm proud of the young generation for asking the questions that everybody else has been afraid to ask. But here's the thing, rebellion for the reason of just going against the grain for no reason, being disobedient, just to be disobedient, that is a destructive habit that will destroy your life and you will miss out and you will never build deep and wide, you will miss out. And what we do is We have a disobedient culture because we went from rebelling against the status quo for reasons that actually matter and for the right reasons that what we do is we we don't want accountability. We want accountability for everybody else and everybody else's kids. Y'all realize accountability is a support system for people that wanna grow. Accountability in the Bible is is something for people that wanna grow. You want it because... Honesty is hard. Honesty hurts. You may lose some people being honest, but the Bible says the truth will set you free. And here's the thing is we push away accountability because we want to overcomplicate it and say, but they're judging me or they're doing this or or my job, my boss hates me. But here's the thing. Accountability is a support system. Matter of fact, James, if anybody that wants James, brother of Jesus says this in scripture. Let me find it because I wrote it down. I wanted to wanted to hear this. Confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. He didn't say hide. What did Adam and Eve do? The first thing in the Bible, they they get discovered. They're naked. They, They 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 they. They mess up and God comes down and what they're doing, they're covering up with leaves. That's shame, that's hiding. And that's what a lot of us, we can dress it up, but we live in a disobedient culture. And a lot of times we don't even, we're disobedient to the people that love us, to the people that challenge us and know us. We like to push away things that are gonna heal us because they're gonna hurt us first. We live in a disobedient culture. And here's the thing, disobedience will burn your life to the ground. It will burn your life to the ground. I've known people in my life, and honestly, I've had to challenge myself that are so rebellious, if you say something that's not what they want to hear, they push against it. And Jesus, it teaches obedience is how you build your life. you want to build a life deep and wide, be obedient, man especially to the people that love you because obedience is better than sacrifice. Listen to me. I want to be challenged because sometimes actually all the time, the only way to have true life change is to be challenged enough to get uncomfortable so that you obey God more tomorrow than you did today. And I I want to obey him. I love him. I trust him. I want to live more like him every day of my life. I'm far from perfect. Anybody that's around me for more than on this stage will tell you I'm an absolute mess some days. Sunday after I'm a real mess. My family will tell, that they, I'm almost intolerable, but I love Jesus and I want him to challenge me. I want you to challenge me. I don't want a staff of yes men. I don't want a wife. Thank God I got a wife that challenges me. She calls me out on my bullcrap, Even when I want to argue back, listen to me, a lot of us, we are not obedient because we push away accountability. We don't like to be challenged. We try so hard and the idea of criticism makes us feel like crap. Criticism is what you need to, accept and start doing something with your life so that you can actually build a life that is deep and wide what God did through the New Testament church was because they were open to being challenged man they were so open to challenge that they all got martyred they got killed for the cause that we're worshiping God for today but man we we get our feelings hurt when somebody says well you're just a turd right now we go to our our teachers Call about your kids misbehaving, and the adults are the ones that are guilty until proven innocent. Because it's hard to say that I need to parent better in this season. It's hard to say that there's some things I need to teach my kid that I have not taught them enough. And then you got to look in the mirror because there are probably character qualities you need to work on. But the only way to build a life of depth is to be obedient. To God, because obedience is how you build your life. And disobedience is how you burn it to the ground. Tell somebody, keep it simple, keep it real. It ain't hard, it ain't complicated. We like to overcomplicate it because we don't want to do anything with it because it's not easy. Second, here we go. Tell somebody one more time, say, keep it real. Next, be more committed to Jesus than consumed by circumstances philippians chapter 4 i've told you before it's one of my favorite of paul's letters he was in prison he was in the, one of the worst seasons of his life everything and everybody was coming against him even the people that were supposed to be on his team here's what he said philippians 4 verse 11 he says not that i was ever in need for i have learned how to be content with whatever i have i know how to live on almost nothing or with everything That's a good test of character. We like to talk about, man, when you're left with nothing, you'll find out what's in you. No, honestly, when you have everything, it's a good test. Men, when you got a wife that you outkicked your coverage, but you go out trying to get something on the side because you think, oh, my God, can I do a little bit better? Sometimes when God is giving you the absolute best blessing and you take it for granted, that's a test too. I didn't get any amens because somebody was like, ooh, ooh. I have learned, sometimes I have to check myself, I, I treat Angie harshly and things, and I'm like, oh, snap. For real? I'm complaining, I used to complain about real stuff 10, 15 years ago. I have learned the secret, Paul said, of living in every situation. You wanna know what the secret is? Living deep and wide? The same Paul who prayed that you would find his love, how deep and wide says this. Here's the secret. whether it, The secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or, or empty, or plenty, or with little. He said, I, can, I trust God in every situation, whether I'm hungry in prison, or whether I got everything in the ministries booming. And here's the secret. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We don't even realize this. We quote that out of context. I hear, I, hear, I hear great football players put it on their helmet, and they're like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like, I can do what, anything I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, because I'm a bat. I'm that, you know, that, that's what we do. That's not at all in the context of what Paul said. And once again, we like to take the Bible out of context when we don't want to do anything with it. Paul was addressing pettiness that happened in the church that he planted. You look at the beginning where there's bickering going on and he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's saying, you can do all things when you are committed to him. Same in verse 19, everybody likes to quote, my God will supply all my needs according to his glorious riches. No, Paul said... Philippi, God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches when you make him your source. You go out trying to find success and everything else and compete and make yourself feel like you're enough, you will be empty and you will die miserable. Don't take it out. of You aren't gonna jump over the moon. I'm not gonna be the next LeBron because I can do all things. My God, no, I'm committed to Jesus. And Paul was in prison because church people, were persecuted him. Not the Jews that killed, killed most of the disciples. Read chapter one. People that benefited from him being locked up because they had bigger crowds, they were jealous of him. They were the reason he was in prison and not being able to preach the gospel. And Paul said, I have learned to be content whether I'm broke, Hungry, have everything. Why? Because he trusted Jesus. He was more consumed. He was more committed to Jesus than consumed by circumstances. He even said, I, he even says, God gets the glory. Let him preach. Let him preach because at least somebody's preaching. I'm here, here locked up. That's the attitude he had. That's the attitude. Paul was not consumed by circumstances because he was committed and he trusted Jesus, but we live guarded lives. We live guarded. Your spouse probably don't even know you, some of you. You've had your walls up so high and you're going to die never feeling the love that God truly wants you to feel. Yeah, you may get hurt, but you never experience the love of another person because God created us to love him and love others and you don't experience it living guarded. Paul was unguarded. I was talking to Shannon a couple of weeks ago. Y'all know that I've I love Shannon at Southern Hills. We're different generations, got some different theologies, but man, he is my friend. And it's been a while. We've had a busy few months and we sat down week before last and had lunch. And he was, we were talking about it and he's kind of started the conversation. He says, um, man, he's like, when, when, when things are heavy, when things are hard, when I feel guilty for complaining because a lot of times I'm exhausted. And he says, you know, I feel guilty because I'm living the life that most people dream of. I said, oh, I feel you. I said, I feel you, I feel bad for for giving people hope and telling stories that I went through 15 years ago, 10 years ago, or when I was three, because what God has done in my life, I've seen what he can do. I said, I said, but, I said, but Shannon, you gotta hear me on this. I said, the weight of responsibility that we carry in ministry, most people couldn't and wouldn't wanna carry. Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. The reason I can manage it is because what I get to go home to and what I've seen God do, I'm committed. Not perfect, but committed. (laughs) I told Shannon, I said, the weight of ministry, the weight, the the hate that is thrown at you regularly, the heaviness of seeing people that you love struggle and self-destruct, I can see a lot of people, a lot of you check out a catalyst long before you do. Long before you do. And I know what you're going into and I know what's gonna happen and it breaks my heart but there's not a thing I can do about it except love you and pray for you because I'm not God, he is. Man, just the, the, the hard decisions that you have to make and if you don't make them, if you don't hit everything head on, the unpopular decisions that you have to handle with your spouse privately while other people think they know what they're talking about publicly. It's a heaviness that I never knew an exhaustion existed like it until I became a lead pastor. Even as an associate pastor, I had no idea the heaviness. So I said, yeah, absolutely, I'm grateful. But most people never will know that the type of heaviness, the empty. I'm not talking about up here when I empty my heart out and I go home and can't even see straight sometimes. I'm talking about every day wanting to do the best I can and not do it perfectly and and just failing constantly, but saying, Jesus, I'm committed to you. I don't care how hard the season is. I'm more committed to Jesus than I'm going to be consumed by circumstances because Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor. That's how you live. That's how you don't lose yourself. And that's how you don't lose yourself in any season. He was committed, man. He was committed. He was committed. It's a heaviness I really can't put into words, but I'll tell you something. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me when I let him be my strength. My God will supply all my needs according to his glorious riches when I allow him to be my source and not other people and not anything other than him. God told Abraham, he said, I am going to bless you and make you a blessing. He did the same thing to Moses. And then when Moses died, God told Joshua, as it was with Moses, so it will be with you. Same is true for you. Same is true for me. Your story in my story, my story and your story, and our story in their story. But the gospel is still the same catalyst. And Sundays aren't enough. Open your Bible more than on Sundays. Start praying over and with your kids and your spouse. Don't just hear me talk about it. Don't live vicariously through me. I hope I can be the start of your conversation, but my God, if Sundays aren't enough. I'm so proud of my daughter, uh, Sarah and Will. Y'all know Will. Will's actually, they're up there investing in the youth right now. Uh, they're one of the team, and I'm so grateful we're starting a youth, uh, youth program, and really it's doing well. And uh, Will and Sarah made a commitment. They've been praying together every evening, and uh, they do it. No matter how tired, they're going to pray together. And um, they actually have gotten to the point they want to take Jesus literally. So what they do is they, even the people that have hurt them, people that you would consider their enemies, they bless them. And when they're hurting the most, they said they bless them two, three, four times if that's what it takes before they go to bed. That's, that's, that's living a life that is more than Sundays. How about turn off the baby and turn on some worship music for a minute? Because I'm gonna tell you, there's times, y'all know me. I love rap and I love R&B. And there's times when I'm processing and I'm really angry and I don't need to be around people because I may cuss anybody else that's in front of me. I'm gonna listen to some gangster rap, but but I don't stay there. Matter of fact, most of my days, here's what it is. I get up really early and I listen to worship music all day. And then my reward is when I leave this church office, there's two lists that my son Garrett made me. Daddy's really awkward throwback list, a lot of R&B, a lot of great songs, you young people that are in here, honestly, y'all were younger. You only have to be youth and not have any taste in music. And then daddy's feel good music. He made it for me. My baby boy knows me. And that is my reward. But you may need to cut off some things, some things you're listening to. You may need to cut off social media and actually start worshiping because it doesn't matter what's going on around you. The consistency of the Lord's character never changes. His love never fails. He will never leave you. Why don't you start doing some of that? Why don't you start like actually investing in your relationship with God more than on Sundays because that's what it takes to actually feel the presence of God outside of a Sunday service. Because God wants to do amazing things through you, in you, for you, but Sundays aren't enough. And you need to be more committed to Jesus than consumed by circumstances than feeding your insecurities and your and your, and your dreams. I'm telling you, you got big dreams, so do I, but I've even in the church over the years, I've had to submit my dreams to him because they're his anyway. What God offers you is available to you every day, not just on Sundays. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how messed up you are, how set back you are, how in debt you are, how how sick you are, the gospel is available to you now and every moment ahead. But you gotta take, it, take them up on it. And Sundays aren't enough and I wanna live a life that is deep and wide. Last point, here we go. Make the world better. Don't let the world break. you. Jesus said in Matthew, uh, in, in Matthew 5, he said, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand on display where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Y'all, it's dark out there. I'm not going to lie. I used to be the type of the optimist. I used to say, oh, God's just working. Yeah, he's working, but it's dark out there. The last 18 months, I have seen people, good people that that have always been consistent that darkness just light up their life. They lost themselves. I've seen a lot of people that I love that I went to school with and people that I've loved for years, I see them on social media, they have come unglued. Don't let anything take from you what it didn't give you. Don't let this world make you callous and hard. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Your light may have been squelched. You may feel very dark. You may not feel like you're good enough. You may not feel like you deserve it. But I'm telling you, Jesus said, you and me, we are the light of the world. And God can light up your life no matter how long you've lived in dark places and, and settled for it. I wanna read to you this story. Around the turn of the 20th century, a group of missionaries became known as one-way missionaries. When they departed for the mission, they packed all their belongings into a coffin and bought one-way tickets because they knew they'd never return home. A.W. Milne was one of them. He felt called to a tribe of headhunters in the New Hebreeds. All the other missionaries to this tribe had been martyred lost their heads, but Milne found favor. He lived among the tribe for 35 years and never returned home. The tribe buried him, and I read, when I read it years ago in the middle of the entire civilization, and they wrote the following words on his, head, on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Tell somebody, take it back. Right now, say it, take it back. Take back your light. You were created in Christ to do wonderful works, the Bible says. Take your light back. You're not a bad person. You've chosen to do bad things and you've chosen to stay broken. Don't let this world or anybody in it take your light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. When he left, he said, he's leaving it to us. I'm going to give you the comforter. You are the light of the world. You have something to offer. You can be a light in your family, your job. I don't know how many years you've wasted, how many relationships you've burned, how long you've stayed in addiction, how long you've stayed bitter and burned every good thing that God's put in your way down. Take your light back. One day at a time, Jesus loves you. Let him light up your life because when he lights up your life, he's going to light up other people's and people may hate you. They may doubt you. They may never believe in you, but I'm going to tell you, you'll light up the people who God's called you to light up right now and every day. Tell somebody, take it back more than on Sundays, Saturday through Sunday, Monday, Monday through Sunday, yo. Take it back. Take it back. Take it back. The world is a dark place that you're supposed to light it up and you, God is enough and what he's called you to do is enough and we are going to go deep and we are going to go wide. We are going to be committed to him, Catalyst. We are going to obey him. We are not going to sit around and let everybody define us and everything around us define us and everybody else burn us down because we're disobedient. We are going to bring Jesus close. We are going to learn his ways. We are going to trust his heart. I don't know how long this series is going to last, but we are going to go deep. My mama used to always say, I hate superficial conversations. I like to go deep. Telling you we are going to go deep because you don't go wide until you go deep. And if you go wide, if your popularity outgrows the work of God in you, you're in trouble anyway. Because you can build something big and it comes crashing down and hurt a lot of people. Jesus loves you so much. And it's very simple invest in that relationship, make it a priority. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at IamCatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at IamCatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.